C-A-M-P-A-D-U-L-T-H-O-O-D Camp Adulthood Bridging the Millennial Divide One conversation at a time Interviewing guests Strangers and friends We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood. Welcome to Camp Adulthood and the Resident Youth. I'm Camp Adulthood, Shay Keats. And I'm the Resident Youth, Maddie Yergi. And we have a special topic episode coming straight to your ears today, folks. Uh, This one... Yeah, what are we calling it? (laughs) What are we calling it? Um, Um, In our notes, we called it the woo-woo episode. Yes. All of the um, kind of new age, I guess new age could be a, a way, you know. But new age is so like old now, It's kind of right? like hippy-dippy, so yeah. yeah. But it's like crystals, tarot, all that stuff, all the like wellness mm-hmm. trends, you could mm-hmm. say. It's kind of like yeah. all-encompassing. I feel like people know what woo-woo means when you say it without having to explain mm-hmm. it, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I think woo-woo also because I think we definitely have some listeners who are going to be like, what are you talking about? And I think when you look at the wellness culture and the wellness industry, it starts with like, I'm going to do the keto diet or I'm going to experiment with going vegan. And then it's like, okay, that's cool. Then it's like, I'm going to do yoga. Oh, actually I'm going to do hot yoga. Oh, oh. And now I'm, oh, now I'm doing crystals and I have to bring in the rose quartz to clear my aura, you know? And then it just kind of spirals And then before you know it, you're putting a rose quartz egg up your hoo-ha like Gwyneth Paltrow. Well, and that's something that I think that that this really comes back to, oh, this actually reminds me, Maddie, of a second thing I wanted to talk about. So I'll actually like lead with that. Um, I think in a lot of ways, this kind of mystical wellness portion of the wellness industry is, you know, started by Gwyneth Paltrow and what she does at Goop. And it's all you know, it's a little pseudoscience with enough real science mixed in that you get hooked. Um, and then it's just some real crazy things like putting the jade egg up your hoo-ha. Um, yeah. I definitely so. recommend um, Lindy West. I think it's in her new book, but I think she also published it online. But she has an essay where she attended the Goop Conference in California. Uh, yeah. And for those that don't know Lindy West, she she's very beautiful, I think, but she's heavier. That's kind of what a lot of her writing is about is like owning the term being a fat woman and all that stuff. And her first book, Shrill, was a ton about that, how it feels to be in the world as a larger person, that kind of thing. And she went and she was like, it was wild. And like a lot of it, she was like, it was cool and fun. But she was like, obviously, I was by far the fattest person there. And so like, she's looking at it with that lens. Mm -hmm. And just some of the like, other people who are at the conference it's a really good essay it's really funny and it's not it's not I thought it had a nice irreverence to it because Mm -hmm. she was like I did appreciate that they were talking about like the benefits of a vegan diet like that's stuff that I would not have heard but also no one wanted me there because I'm fat kind of thing so I thought she had the good with the bad yeah well now that I know how to do library books on my Kindle Mm. maybe I will uh request a hold on that one shout out to Uh, the library Shout out to the library. Uh, so, yeah, so along that line, have you watched Dollface on Hulu yet? No, is that with, um, who's the actress, Kat? Uh, Kat Den- Dennings. Yes, I have not. So I bring it up in reference to this episode, or uh, this episode and this topic, because the whole, I mean, it is hysterical. And I highly, re- 
it's it's a little campier than some of the other stuff that's been in this in this line lately of you know kind of a a woman who's a little bit damaged a little bit heartbroken by something coming up out of that and 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 what that looks like but um it's a little bit like fleabag meets um crazy ex-girlfriend if you guys are familiar oh with either of those shout out to my dad who texted me out of the blue the other night and was like fleabag what a train wreck and i was like <laughs> dad this is not for such you such a good show though and then i was like have you made it to the hot priest and he was like yes and i was like your dad's all about bless it. you i love it uh but anyway so on dolphos kat denning's character is a web designer uh for a women's media company called womb w-o-o-m mm-hmm with the umlaut over one of the O's, which is clearly a big take on Goop. And um, Malin Ackerman, I guess is her name, oh, plays yeah. like the the Gwyneth Paltrow character. And it is freaking hysterical. And just the way that they like, it, 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 it's so, it's just the way that they parody this whole woo-woo industry while also kind of treating it very gently and acknowledging that, you know, it does create a place for community and that, we shouldn't be poo-pooing it just because it's something that women are primarily interested in. So I would I would really highly recommend watching Dollface and kind of looking at that those portions through that lens um, because you you expect them at first to take it to this place where you're like, oh my God, they're just going to rip goop a new one. And then they really make fun of it in this, in this really kind of loving <laughs> almost way. Um, anyway, I was very, very, very impressed with that. So, but... Moving on, um, millennials tend, again, with kind of, I think, the rise of Goop, even though Gwyneth Paltrow is more of a Gen X uh, icon, uh, she, she did start this craze, which has really been taken to by millennials. And there is a great series of articles in um, Quartz magazine, which is an offshoot of The Atlantic, one of two of my favorites. And it's called the transformation economy. And if you go on, unfortunately, most of the articles are member exclusive articles. So I wasn't able to read all of them. But basically, it um, the series is described in this way. It says, a growing number of businesses are promising customers a better version of themselves, from life coaches to meditation retreats to new business models and service industries like consulting. The transformation economy is upending the way consumers shop and companies do business. So it's just super interesting. But the article that I was really able to dig into is called um, A Spiritual Retreat Actually Transformed Me. And it talks about this woman uh, who is a regular contributor. Uh, her name's Jenny Avens. And she talks about going to this healing retreat in Taos, New Mexico. Is that how you say that? I always am afraid I say it wrong. How is it spelled? T-A-O-S. Oh, yeah. Taos. Taos. Yeah. Okay. Taos, New Mexico. Um, and she, you know, was going to really just report on this uh, meditative healing retreat that that part of New Mexico is so famous for, but she had also recently suffered a miscarriage. And, you know, so she wasn't going with the intent of like getting past that experience. But then she talks about how she goes through the whole process. And then it, you know, she does come out the other end feeling transformed. And then that's awesome. But really, what is interesting about this whole transformation economy is clearly it's needed because it is making huge, huge money. And it is a complete 
luxury and people are spending money on kind of this stuff almost over therapy or, or other things. And um, anyway, I just thought it was really interesting yeah. and quite enjoyed reading it. That is very interesting. It reminds me, my mom is very into yoga. She has her yoga teacher's certification and stuff. Mm-hmm. And she got primarily into it when I was a lot younger. We lived in Buffalo, New York. And there's a a Himalayan Institute there. So the Himalayan Institute, definitely would recommend checking it out. They have a lot of different offshoots and stuff. But there's two main ones in the U.S. There's one outside of Scranton, Pennsylvania, random. And then there's one in Buffalo, New York. Also random. Also random, but very interesting. And then they have one in India that's like the main one. And the guy that was kind of the main one who who brought the Himalayan Institute to the U.S., um, he was like looking, he was in India. I can't remember his name. My mom will tell me. So if she remembers, please email us. Um, but he was like the main sort of guru guy that was like, I want to take this, you know, very, um, you know, spiritual practice to the US. And he was looking at all the big markets. And he's like, I want to go to a city where, you know, because we obviously don't want this to fail. We want people to go and stuff. And he went to um, LA and um like did a few classes there and he went to New York and stuff and he was just like so he went to kind of these big markets being like there's gonna be a lot of people there and he was like these people are not in it for the right reasons kind of Mm -hmm. thing and they're not they're in it for the the vanity and for these kind of quick fixes but they're not in it for the transformative experience and somehow Mm -hmm. he ended up in kind of rural Pennsylvania and he was like these are my people and so they have the big one there and I remember like when I was younger the one in Buffalo it's very kind of Spartan and they have classes that are open to the public and you have to pay for them and they'll bring in speakers and do workshops and stuff and my mom every year she'll go do one at the in the Pennsylvania one and they have a lot of medical doctors who practice both Western and Eastern medicine that are there. Mm-hmm. They just got, this is like big scandal for a long time. They didn't serve coffee in the cafe, only tea, and they didn't have any television or Wi-Fi. And mm. they just got Wi-Fi in the cafe. Whoa. So joining the 21st Crazy. century. My dad tells a very funny story. The one in Buffalo, he went on a retreat with my mom there. And Shay has met my dad. My dad is mm-hmm. not the yoga retreat type of guy. But he's... Have- pegged him for that he's no. game he's game for whatever and they they only serve vegetarian food so there's no meat mm-hmm. anywhere on the premises and um there was like a football game happening and there's no tvs there at least not when they were there i think they have one in the cafe now and so my dad was like trying to get updates on the game and this was like pre-cell phones it was like in the 90s and he finally saw some guy who was like one of the staff members. There's always they're mm-hmm. always staffed by either people that are going through the teacher training or like young college students. And he saw this yeah. guy and my dad was like, I smell a pepperoni pizza. And my mom was like, you're just going through withdrawals. There's no pizza here. <laughs> like you're just smelling it because you want it. And he's like, no, there's literally a pepperoni pizza here and I'm going to find it. And he like followed this kid and this kid like on his break had gone into town and like got a pizza and was oh, like, oh, my God. I'm going to go watch the game. And so I was like, that's really funny. Um, but no, to go back to what you were talking about, I think there are some places that are in it for the wrong reasons. I'm thinking about like the Netflix documentary that just came out about Bikram oh, yoga. The Bikram one. Yeah. yeah. It's really good. Corey and I watched it. Um, and that's not, it doesn't focus so much on the capitalism aspect and, you know, putting money and profits over some of these ancient practices, but that's mm-hmm. more about like a guy who's a megalomaniac which is also a problem in and of itself. Um, But 
there are these places that exist that you do have to pay to go, but it's more nominal and they're really Mm -hmm. in it kind of in a not-for-profit type of way to really spread um, these practices. And they're not necessarily in big cities and they're focused on, quite frankly, parts of the country that a lot of other people forget about and don't Mm -hmm. think that there are, you know, women in rural communities that are focused on, you know, ancient aspects of yoga. Like people don't think about that. So I just thought that was very interesting. That is very interesting. But yeah, I mean, I, I think more and more people are are willing to pay for this. And, and you know, I think my big takeaway, which I don't know if I should say it now or after we jump into your articles, is so much of this, this woo-woo and this alternative spirituality, I think, comes back to millennials and their desire for community. Um, and because we don't have the traditional communities of church and small town, et cetera, that really sustained that part of our lifestyle for so many thousands of years, we're searching them out, searching for them elsewhere. And I think that's where a lot, why and where a lot of this kind of, again, what we're calling woo woo or alternative spirituality comes, comes together. Um, And I find that all to be very interesting. And I think there's a book, uh, which my dad references a lot called the God gene, which talks about this, that like certain people are basically hardwired to believe in a God or have a spirituality, et cetera, et cetera. And as churches become less popular, this is my own theory, but where do, where do people have to, to express that literal, you know, psychological phenomenon, they don't have a place. So they're creating these alternative spiritual pathways to do that. And I'm not saying that to degrade them or make them negative. I mean, I've certainly own a few crystals myself and I think meditation is great and I love yoga and I think there's so many really wonderful benefits to so much of this, but I think it's just being realistic about maybe why we're so motivated to participate. Yeah, definitely. I think that was a big motivating factor for my mom. Like she moved to Buffalo and had young Mm -hmm. kids and didn't have any friends there. And I think she had other aspects of community, but the Himalayan Institute was, you know, women her same age. There were like aspects that you could bring your kids to and she really connected I think with a lot of the teachers there that she still keeps in touch with so I think that was a big thing um and I think yeah it definitely the community aspect it leads people to some of this woo-woo stuff but honestly Mm -hmm. I feel like if you growing up Catholic that's the frame of reference that I have that shit's Mm -hmm cray if you read like if you if you walked up to someone and were like okay this sunday we're gonna go sit in a room and we're gonna you know have some crackers and wine and it's going to be the literal body and blood of christ not figurative literal Mm -hmm. you would be like this person's crazy so i think it's just the frame of reference of like what's been normalized in society and what yeah we think is crazy of course. And of course, it's like any biblical story. And then also don't even get me started on like Mormonism or Scientology or any of these oh, yeah. crazies. Well, then um, it gets into yeah. if it's funneled in the wrong way and it goes back to the megalomania thing. Like there are people. Yeah. yeah. L. Ron Hubbard's a great example because he but, explicitly set out to do that. Yeah. But again, so. I think even Maddie, here we are in the Christmas season and coming back to that. Like, I mean, I'm all about the Christmas story. I think it's really beautiful, but it's weird. It's weird. Like (laughs) some virgin gets knocked up and they tell her to follow a star 
Yeah. And then some like wise dudes bring her some like the whole thing is yeah. like very That's what I'm saying. Crazy. So people that yeah. judge people that are into some of this woo woo stuff, it's like, okay, well what you're yeah. into has just it's had years and years to normalize itself, but on its mm-hmm. face it's not any less crazy. Yeah. Um that's actually a good transition into the article. I think we had spoken about this maybe in a previous episode, but I thought it would be mm-hmm. good to bring back, but this LA Do Times it. article how millennials replace religion with astrology and crystals. Oh, yeah, I think, we did. Yes. Yeah, I think it distills a lot of what we're talking about, mm-hmm. talking about the need for community. It also talks about, which I think you alluded to at the beginning of this, that there is mm-hmm. now like things that were maybe outside of Western culture or seen as a little fringe, like meditation does have a spiritual component, but it also has real health benefits that you can truly quantify of Mm -hmm. you know reducing your stress response and stuff like that that we're just starting to learn about those things so yeah like crystals Mm -hmm. you can be like they look cool they look nice on instagram which they mentioned in this article too like it's no coincidence that a lot of this new agey stuff like has a very cool look to it and a lot of it sometimes is about appearance but you know it's so oh sorry oh no i was just gonna say about the crystals like we don't know enough about them and it, there's so much about energy that we don't know that like 50 years ago people would be like meditation that's weird but now we're starting yeah. to realize there's actual health benefits to it so well and i, I think say. also you know it's interesting what you just say about the instagram thing as you know oh it doesn't just look pretty at instagram well this is how this is how using storytelling this is how spirituality spreads and i think again coming back to the christian religion the the reason the Christian religion was able to spread all of that craziness was because it technically, quote unquote, looked good, and they were able to share it with different communities and wait through great stories that reflected reflected the stories that those communities were already telling. Right. So, if we look at Instagram as a storytelling medium of the 21st century, people are able to say like, okay, yes, I'm looking at this picture of coffee. Oh, but then here's a picture of crystals kind of set up like coffee. You yeah, know, definitely. it, it starts it's to a, speak to you. It's, it's in the a same gateway. way. Yeah. Yeah. As when they were, you know, when the early Christians were spreading their stories, they'd go to like the Zoroastrians and they'd be like, oh, you got a virgin birth. We got a virgin birth. Yeah, definitely. And then that's how it worked. And anyway, I just think it's very interesting because it's there's like nothing new happening here, people. Yeah, no, I think definitely I agree on its face and there's nothing wrong with it. I just think that like, you know, there it's a much smaller bite of attention like Mm -hmm. i think most people if they were like oh crystals like they have healing properties like they don't know all of the story and the symbolism and the history Mm -hmm. behind them whereas two thousand years ago with what you're describing like people would sit for hours and there was this oral tradition Mm -hmm. and now you're seeing a caption on instagram that's like buy my mlm crystals which is a thing true for 59.99 you know what i mean so it's like Mm -hmm. it is totally storytelling and about getting the message out there, but there's this element of selling and buying just for, yeah, the commercialism and giving people just the, like, five-minute soundbite and not, like, Mm -hmm. this is why people think this, this is the history, this is all this stuff. So I think some of it is getting lost just because, in general, people have limited attention spans on social media. And the visual aspect, I think, is really different versus, like, the oral tradition and stuff. Oh, it's um, interesting because I don't think it's quite that different. But interesting. Okay. Yeah. We can agree to disagree. Yeah. 
Um, the other thing about this article before I move on is that I thought was interesting is kind of the, and I think we talked a little bit about this in the Gen Z episode, but the move towards individualism. So mm-hmm. millennials and Gen Z, as opposed to being like, I'm just going to go to the church that my parents went to or whatever, mm-hmm. they're kind of almost picking and choosing aspects of different religions or different mm-hmm. kind of woo-woo stuff. So they might be like, I'll go to church on Christmas to hear the church choir because it's really beautiful and that gives me memories of childhood Christmas but then I have a deck of tarot cards that I bring to parties and then I have crystals around my house and I do yoga and meditation like kind of choosing what aspects fits into your Mm -hmm. life and what makes you feel the best as opposed to being like I'm going to be 100% Buddhist or I'm going to be you know learn everything about the tarot which has its own components and stuff like that like you kind of pick and choose um, which I think there's pros and cons to that obviously but very interesting i'm fascinated um, by tarot by the way yes very interesting um so that is that article um the second article i found which actually is kind of i don't know how much i wholly agree with it but i thought it was an interesting take hold on there's a pop-up um so this was in medium and it was mm-hmm. written by this woman loretta piles who's a PhD and she's written books and stuff and she talks about and I think you alluded to this Shay why people dismiss these sort of practices because they are a little bit feminine and women are into them more than Mm -hmm. men sometimes and people use that to dismiss it and so the article Mm -hmm. is called stop saying woo woo and hippy dippy and I was like whoa um hot take and I think she like goes a little too hard into it but I think she's like because of the image that those words kind of connotate. So if someone says hippy dippy, you're not thinking of the smartest person you've ever met. You're thinking of someone who's no. a little bit in the clouds, maybe a little bit dirty, like not scientifically yeah. educated. Woo woo is like, you know, what does that mean? It's kind of ethereal. Mm-hmm. You definitely, I think, for both of those words, picture a woman, not a man, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, the bi- the un- unconscious bias of that really plays into it. And it also, which I think... This is my main takeaway, and I don't know how I feel about it because I don't think capitalism is evil by any means, but mm-hmm. it kind of, those terms erase the history of a lot of this stuff that's been commercialized mm-hmm. of late mm-hmm. in America. Yeah. And I do think that there is something lost there, but I also think that there's nothing wrong using words that are popular in modern connotations that aren't yeah. expressly like negative you know what I mean like if we're trying to have a conversation and describe something in a way that people understand it you have to use those words but I also understand Loretta's point that it's a little reductive yeah well and I think there's a lot of people who have also I agree that it can be reductive particularly like hippy dippy but I think there's a lot of people with the term woo who have really kind of claimed that and they'll be like I love woo or I'm into the woo and I think because there's not really a good succinct word to describe it you know I'm kind of trying to use the word alternative spiritualities or you know transformational wellness or like any of that but that that doesn't mean anything and I think and and woo woo doesn't mean anything either but it's a little it allows you a little more space to think about what that could encompass yeah and it gives people an image in their mind for a framework like you have to have some entry point for the average person in order to have the conversation if you're like so esoteric and technical people will never understand and that's a problem in and of itself I think 
Yeah. You well, know. and I also feel like, and maybe just because these aren't the types of people that I like follow or whatever, the people that I know who are are actually into kind of again these alternative spiritualities, they don't really flaunt it. So. Like it, it, it is yeah, a great definitely. conversation starter when someone can be like, oh my gosh, I love the woo woo. And I can say, oh, what do you mean by that? And they can be like, oh, well, I have a crystal collection or I read tarot or I do uh, meditative special magic yoga yeah. breathing. Like then I can, then it, it starts a really wonderful conversation because they're excited to talk about that. And then it allows them to create the definition for themselves which I always think is beautiful and if it's your I was actually listening to a podcast and this goes back to my thing about Instagram it's like if something is totally performative it's probably not super genuine in some way but I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about Mm -hmm. it's like two ladies and they were talking about one of their um boyfriends and he is like a voracious reader and the one Mm -hmm. the other co-host had never been to his place before and she was like I didn't know that he read so much and I guess she like witnessed a conversation between this guy and his dad and they were having like a very deep conversation about a book that they were both reading and she's like I never saw this side of him and his house was like full of books and she was like it's the people like that that never talk about it because Mm -hmm. they don't need to because they're already fulfilled just doing it by themselves yeah that you know and she's like now I can have this like deep conversation with him that I never would have seen but then you see people that are like posting their Goodreads statistics all the time on Instagram. Like, that's fine if that's like, but But it is super performative, I think. That's so interesting, too, because I feel like I, this is, again, a total sidebar. This may be the episode of sidebars, but as a voracious reader (laughs) myself, I I thought of you because I don't think you do that. Like, you don't act holier than thou because you are a voracious reader. Please. I also read a lot of crap, but, (laughs) and I fully own that. But, like, I think the thing is, I love recommending books to people when they ask for it. I hate when people ask me, what are you reading? Yeah. That it, which is so interesting, you know, because I feel like that question makes me feel like really vulnerable and exposed. And like, I have to have like a good answer to it, which like sometimes the answer is I'm rereading Anne of Green Gables for the 65th time. And yes, I realize I'm a 35 year old woman. And sometimes my answer is like, yes, I'm reading the, you know, something really esoteric and and ridiculous. So, but I love when people say, can you recommend a book for me or for a friend? So yeah. Take note. No, people. but that goes back to like it's reading is personal for you and that's why it is yeah. vulnerable. And so people yeah. that are like I going back to the woo woo stuff like people that you know and again every once in a while it's fine. Like I don't mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's it's bad a hundred percent of the time, but like people that build their whole personal brand or Mm-hmm. even worse in some ways they're what they're putting out to friends it's like people that take mm-hmm. videos at the gym it's like what are you doing no one mm-hmm. like this is not like it's great that you went to the gym it's great for you but like this is not helping me in some way unless you're like a professional mm-hmm. personal trainer or something but just yeah. to be like I was here look at what I'm doing like mm-hmm. you're clearly not doing it because of personal fulfillment you're doing yeah. it well, because you want other people to praise you yeah and that's interesting and I think there's this really there's a great book um that I'm halfway through right now, actually, I lent it out, which I usually don't do when I'm halfway through with something, but I did. It's called Hashtag Authentic, and it talks mm. a lot about this. And it, you know, this is a woman who takes a lot of pictures of her and her daughter. And she she goes, you know, when I started using Instagram, she's like, yes, I have an eye for photography. But when I started 
started um, posting all of this on Instagram and then realized I had a following, she goes, it, it was because I'm, po- I'm posting things that I want to save for my own personal memories, right? She goes, I'm not going to post exactly what you're saying is going to the gym or reading my book or looking at my crystals or, oh my God, I'm meditating again because those are just things that are part of my routine yeah. that I don't need to memorialize. Yeah. So, so she's like, yeah, you look at my feet and it looks really curated and really beautiful. And she goes, it's not that I'm trying to present something that's not authentic, but it's because I don't need praise for going to the gym or just as that example, right. it's about this is what I'm, this is what would go in my personal photo album. And I, and I thought that was a really interesting, interesting thing that yeah. comes up about Instagram culture. And I think it's but just like anyway, keeping things personal. Like if you saw a photo on Instagram of like someone praying in a pew at church you would probably think that was weird. Like, I think I would think that was weird. I would be like, what are you doing? Like, no one takes photo Instagram photos in church, you know, for the most part. Like, even most Eastern religions, like temples and stuff, you can't even bring electronics in and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So, I don't know. I think it's really interesting. Um, Those are my two articles. The book that I love that I've talked about numerous times on this podcast, but I would be remiss if I did not talk about it during the Woo episode, is High Magic by Jamie and Eccles, my favorite book. Oh. so good and so i'll give like the five second primer for people that maybe didn't listen to those episodes or don't know who he is he was part of the west memphis three so he was put on death row when he was 18 in arkansas for murdering two second graders and he along with his two other people that were part of that case um were put in prison and he was on death row for some 18 years after that so he got out of prison um, basically due to DNA evidence and the fact that the confessions were coerced and stuff. It's very interesting. If you want to learn about it, the Paradise Lost documentary is on HBO. Um, go through it a lot. There's also a documentary called West of Memphis. Um, that's about I it. But th- write this stuff down. Yeah, Sorry. It's super good. It's a three-part um, documentary, and the first Paradise Lost actually g- garnered a lot of attention for the case, and Eddie Vedder and um, what's his name? Captain Jack Sparrow, why can I not? Johnny Depp were very mm -hmm. instrumental and basically them, along with some other celebrities, Natalie Maine from the Dixie Chicks, bankrolled their defense that ultimately um, got them off death row. And he wrote, Damien Eccles himself wrote a, a memoir about the case and stuff. And he met his wife through the documentaries and she helped him with the case. Anyway, super fascinating from like a true crime perspective, but why I love this book. So while he was on death row, basically like the worst conditions ever, he was like beaten by police. He was like treated like scum, obviously, because everyone thought he murdered a couple second graders, which is awful. Um, And part of it, part of why the whole crux of the defense, because there was very limited physical evidence was that he was a satanic worshiper because he mm. was wearing a Metallica t-shirt at the time that he was arrested oh, was and Metallica. stuff like that. I know. So from that aspect, from the woo-woo, super interesting how this very conservative, very poor kind of rural Christian community saw these boys that in the, I think it was in the 80s, maybe early 90s, um, you know, were kind of goth, we would consider. And he talks a little bit about it in this book that he was interested in kind of like tarot and stuff like that. And people saw that as satanic worship in the community Mm -hmm. that he was in and use that against him in the court of law. So some of these practices that we see as like fun and light that are kind of mainstream have actually um, 
really hurt people in the past. But then when he was in prison, he ended up, he actually married his wife in a Buddhist ceremony. So he was um, ordained as like a Buddhist, kind of whatever their highest level is. Um, And he was like, it wasn't really for me. I didn't really connect with the Eastern philosophy. And that's when he um, kind of found like Alex or Crowley, like those guys in the 1800s kind of Mm -hmm. took the different pieces of Western sort of Judeo-Christian values and then married it with sort of Eastern Buddhism and stuff and came up with this um, sort of Western answer to Buddhism, essentially. And that really spoke to him because he grew up Christian and a lot of the practices of this particular spirituality have to do with kind of summoning for lack of a better word you should read the book if you want to learn more about it but um kind of summoning some of these like figures in the bible and so it's kind of a cross between i would say christianity in a lot of ways and sort of mystic judaism like kabbalah um Mm -hmm. and then buddhism and he credits it with saving his life not only because it gave him something to do while he was in like a very small windowless cell for years on end and from going crazy, but also it gave him a way to manifest a better life. And so part mm-hmm. of what he talks about, which I find so fascinating when he got out of prison because he had chances to get out of prison so often and they would be taken away from him that he kind of gave up hope that it would ever happen. Mm-hmm. But his wife, Lori was kind of like, you have to keep like, you can't resign yourself to the fact that this is where you're going to die. Otherwise you'll lose all mm-hmm. hope. And Mm -hmm. you'll also not be able to function if this is the only world that you have. Once you do get out, you're not going to be able to function because it's going to be so foreign to you that Mm -hmm. you're you're just going to lose your mind, which happens to a ton of people that get out of prison. Um, It's actually they feel psychologically worse when they get out of prison than they did when they were in, even though it's better. Um, And so he basically meditated for eight hours a day, like the last years he was in prison, manifesting in his mind, like, this is what it'll feel like. This is how it'll feel to sleep in a bed with real sheets. This is how it'll feel to, like, eat this certain foods and stuff like that. And he credits that not only with kind of giving him a higher power to lean on, but also just Mm -hmm. saving his own sanity and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And he's a super interesting guy. He lives in New York now, which I'm, like, fascinating because super different from Arkansas. And also it's very... I think, stimulating environment compared to a sterile jail jail cell. And he talks a lot about that in his different work, how he, he actually, he calls himself like an urban or it's called urban shamanism. So like, instead of, Mm -hmm. because part of magic, so like he talks about high magic, which is like manifesting energy and, you know, a lot of meditative practices, but then low magic is still part of it. So like crystals using like, um, like a lot of Native American practices of having like feathers and things like this that mean certain things or mm-hmm. putting um, energy feelings onto animals and things like that. That's in the same vein, but it's it's lesser because you're not you're not using your own free will to like change those things. It's just like this mm-hmm. object has innate energy and we yeah. respect and acknowledge that. Um, and so his big thing is like you don't have to go into the woods to find these things you don't have to go to a fancy retreat center you can sit in your new york city apartment he goes to the met a lot because actually there's a lot of like sumerian art there that he says has like properties and stuff which is very interesting because it was taken from the middle east um so he goes there he goes to central park and he's like all of these objects that you think are only in you know native american communities and stuff he's like Mm -hmm. you can find it anywhere you are so anyways super fascinating guy on a lot of levels 
and he really opened my eyes to a lot of I think the positive aspects of the woo-woo stuff and how it can actually Mm -hmm. save your life and also just reframing I think living in New York it's so hectic and there's this feeling to step away but for him New York is a solace and it's the best place he's ever been and so that optimism and Mm -hmm. seeing the energy and stuff um, I think is really interesting yeah I love that Um, okay that's the last piece I have if there's any other hot takes before we go into the rapid fire questions I think this was great I I mean yeah let's do it rapid fire questions okay so these are all different um, kind of items or things that I would consider in the woo woo space so I will rapid fire them and then you can if you have a strong opinion say strong opinion and explain (laughs) it or you can just be like I like it or I don't like it like yes or no okay I like it First one, Ouija boards. Hate it. Strong opinion. Do you care to elaborate of why you hate it? Because I think you don't want to summon the dark magic. Yeah, I can't. I can't. Anything that's like devilly, and I, I just think it's it's creepy. I mean, we've talked about this a little bit before on other episodes. I'm just, I have made a choice to be like a very closed off to like certain energies because I just don't I just don't want to fuck with that so um I don't mind Ouija board like I don't I'm not I'm not like I'm a fan but they don't bother me and I think it's funny like I think we've talked about this I don't know if it was on a podcast but like Corey really hates them and he actually had a junior marine in the barracks that like bought one as a joke and he made him like burn it basically because he was like I can't have it so like if I brought a Ouija board into our apartment he would like actually freak out um but I had I had one growing up and I used to like use it during sleepovers and stuff and like I don't know I think like because they're made by I think if you got like okay so I think if I found like a Ouija board that was like an OG like this is an antique that some like voodoo person had put their energy on I would probably be a little freaked out but like the Ouija boards that I the one that I had as a kid was made by like Mattel that I bought it I was gonna say by like Hasbro or something yeah so like it was still cool but like I used to like when I was in middle school we would like do it and there would always be and sometimes I would fuck with my friends too because like I would like push it a little bit and then mm-hmm. they would be like, oh, and like freak out. And then like one girl would cry always at the sleepover. So oh maybe that makes me a bad person. But like, I just never put that much stock into it, I guess. But some people really do. Um, but they're like a fun yeah. party trick. Um, okay, next one. Crystals. We talked a little bit about this. But how do you feel about crystals? Yeah, I'm fine with crystals. I mean, I think they are, I think any object, again, that you bring into your and I guess this is kind of what, and this is another overarching point for me with the woo-woo in general, whether you're doing crystals or tarot or whatever. I don't think they're really meant to like, in my opinion, imbue their power upon you. But like if you're holding a crystal and doing a meditation on peacefulness or positivity or whatever, it, it's a it becomes a grounding point for that. Yeah, it's like meditation, and that's kind of how I choose to use it. Yeah, totally. It's just like any object. Yeah, like mala beads or like a rosary is the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, I totally agree. I think I'm definitely at this point on. I really like the aesthetics of crystals. I own it. Mm -hmm. Like I went to a crystal shop in Woodstock, and they had like a whole like every different type of crystal. And they had a woman that worked there that had a book that was like, "What do you want your crystal to do?" Like all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So like they were super into it. That's where I saw Amanda Seyfried. Yeah. Fun fact. 
and I bought like a crystal necklace not because I was like it's gonna do anything but because I was like it looks cool um Mm -hmm. and I have them around my house mostly for aesthetic purposes but I totally agree like they're a nice object and I think it's Damien Eccles actually talks about this like why crystals are a focal point is because they have the same sort of properties as water so they'll take on like your like if you hold a crystal and you're mm-hmm. anxious and you put it down and then you pick it back up, like that anxious energy will still be there, whether or not yeah, you believe that. But it's kind of, it, it doesn't have like its own like charges. Properties. Yeah, exactly. its own properties. Um, yeah. And it's, again, it gives you like a physical, tangible place to put, because I mean, I think this is something that you do in a lot of meditation practice, right? Where you're, or a well-wishing practice, which I do a lot when I'm struggling with things. It's like you sit in your head and you like take a deep breath and you say, okay, I picture myself being awash with white light or the person that I love being awash with like a soothing pink light or like whatever it is. And if you're not, I think crystal, like if you're really good at meditation or any of these practices, like you can just kind of do that in your brain, but a crystal allows you to have again a tangible focal point yeah so and I think there's some stuff like one thing that Corey and I actually used to do this that I got from Damien Eccles and his wife Lori when he was on death row like they would do it when there was a full moon he would put a glass of water like on the like way up high there was like a small window and he would put it there mm-hmm. and it would absorb all the like moonlight energy and then mm-hmm. throughout the month they would each and Lori would do it where she was and then mm-hmm. every day they would each take a sip of the water for one month at the same time of the day and so that was like a way obviously moonbeams like that water is gonna get stale but whatever well if you're on death row you have nothing else going on so it's true everything is shitty um but yeah i guess you could put like a top on it but or put it in the fridge or something but yeah obviously like moonbeams there's nothing happening to the water but it's like a way to be like we see the same the moon, ritual. we're connected, and, like, if you're in a relationship that's long distance or yeah. something where you can't see the person, it's, like, a fun, like, oh, we're sipping the water at the same time, like, that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, and I think also it has to do with, like, again, if we are not going to a traditional religious organization, we've lost this ritual, and I think ritual of any kind is important to human humans biologically, yes. so, or psychologically. Yeah, and biologically. definitely. Makes sense. Okay, the next one. Essential oils. I love essential oils because I think candles are gross and dangerous. Um, I don't know. There, I don't know. I don't. I, I. I feel like I don't necessarily like swear by their power, but I definitely think there's something to like aromatherapy for certain like calming purposes. Yeah. Um, and again, focusing. Um, you know, do I necessarily think like burning a certain oil is going to give me like mental clarity or not burning, but diffusing a certain oil, like not necessarily, but I do think, you know, if I put a little lavender oil on my wrists, yeah, that's going to definitely calm me down. I use an immunity oil because I'm like that Kristen makes for me because I'm like, it can't hurt me. And I better safe than sorry but then i think there are some people who swear by them that they can like cure cancer and i think that's clearly (laughs) bushy yeah no i i completely agree i think i also have a diffuser and i think it's obviously better for the environment it's not like burning stuff um and i think some of that stuff like the immunity things like people are very into it but it's like yeah obviously if you're smelling something that smells nice and you're less stressed out 
you're not going to have that stress response, which will boost your immunity. So it's not that yeah, the oil's exactly. doing anything medicinal. Are... It's your own body calming down because of the yeah. aromatherapy kind of thing. And, um, and there are certain ones that have like antiseptic properties. Yes, like, like tea tree and stuff like that. Tea tree, oregano, etc. But it's not like it's anything magical. It's like the same as... Yeah. I mean, not quite as strong as like spraying Lysol, mm-hmm. but it's like if you don't want to spray Lysol, spray the tea tree with the oregano and the whatever, and yeah, then definitely. at least you're going to be kill some of the germs. It does remind me too, and I think this is where it gets into – so like that's that's what I use it for. That's where I'm like, it's nice. It's great. I think A, th- did you read Educated by Tara Westover? No, that's another one. Now okay. that I figured out the library yeah. thing, I'm like, what else can it's I It's a whole new world. Um, I – great book but basically it's about this girl kind of 10 second overview she grew up in a very like religious mormon fundamental household and she basically grew up in the woods and you know went to college and had she didn't have a birth certificate she had never been to a doctor before like all this stuff that's crazy and it's not a spoiler i don't think because whatever but she at some point like everyone in her family is having accidents the whole book and at one point her dad because they don't believe in medicine at all he gets like very severely burned to the point that he's like disfigured and her mom who at this point has like a closed head injury so she's not all there mm-hmm. concocts all of these like essential oils for him and basically they stay and it's a really like powerful part of the book so i don't want to spoil it but basically they all just kind of like stand vigil around him as he has like severe third degree burns like is gonna die and they're just like rubbing him with essential oils and stuff and he lives he doesn't die but he's like terribly disfigured and can't work anymore and to this day her family has made an online business that's like quasi mlm because people can buy it from them and sell them and they get part of the profits that basically says like see this guy didn't need to go to the hospital because of the essential oils and her family's like kind of famous now in these religious fundamental communities because they're like see you don't need a doctor which i'm like Mm. that's so dangerous um agreed so definitely would recommend that book but yeah i think like essential oils because my mom would buy all this stuff through like the himalayan institute and you can get i just think yeah i i use them i like them i think that they're as they become more commercialized they've gotten super super pricey like you can Mm -hmm. get a whole jug of lavender oil on the internet that's like pure grade for like two dollars like it's crazy how much people spend money on them um and myself included for the convenience and whatever but i think you know you should not be spending sixty dollars on like a little thing it's not any more pure than what you're going to get anywhere else you know well and i think the other thing of course with anything is that you do have to watch as it becomes more commercialized to make sure that you're if you are going to engage in buying these that you're buying from sources that are ethical etc cetera, etc cetera, and making sure that you're not like i was just reading this article um that you shouldn't buy palo santo oil because those trees are almost extinct and people are cutting mm-hmm. them down for the essential oils and it's like uh no thank what are you, you doing? yeah Definitely. Yeah. And research. also technically, like, I guess shamans say that Palo Santo, it's only used in ritual if it's been like died naturally and then oh. found like on the forest floor. So if you're I've never really used Palo Santo, so I don't know anything it, yeah. about it. I have like a Palo Santo stick that I bought somewhere, but I'm yeah. not buying the oil now. So anyway, yeah. no, I basically on. just I went on Amazon and I was like pure lavender oil, four dollars. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. This is my life now. Um, yeah, seriously. So. Yeah. Um, Meditation. We talked a little bit about this, but how do you feel? Love it. 
I think it's great. I think it's been used for centuries. It's effective. Um, I wish I were better at meditating. Uh, I enjoy a moving meditation particularly. So like a, a very easy yoga flow where you can be like, you can, you can, you can really meditate on your intention as opposed to like a balls to the walls class where you're just like, I don't want to die in this yoga class. Um, so yes, I like, I like meditation. Very effective. I think totally agree. Definitely effective. There's a reason why it's been around. I will say to your point, like with the commercialization of like meditation stuff that I've definitely seen in New York, there's now like meditation, a lot more like workshops and stuff and or like centers like there's a place called mindful in new york that's like a it's like a group meditation like class type of thing and i think those are good to get into it and dip your toes and if you like don't know where to start and that's what's accessible to you fine but i think like there's a reason why like everyone like monks and stuff like the religious scholars like everyone's meditation is different Mm -hmm. and everyone's mantra is different so another plug for the himalayan institute you can go there and meet with the people there and they'll help guide you towards your own specific mantra. So like my mom has a mantra that she uses and it's kind of, you can either say it in your head or you can do it with like mala beads or a crystal and Mm -hmm. it's something repetitive. You can do it when you're walking, if you're more of like a movement type person or while you're doing yoga, but it's like, it's specific to her and like her needs. And so like, she wouldn't like, obviously she could tell you what it was. I don't know what it is. It's like stuff in Sanskrit or whatever, but like, it's not like her doing it and me doing it aren't we're not going to get the same benefit out of it because she went through this whole workshop and you can do it yourself like a lot of people have like daily affirmations and stuff that mean something to them it doesn't have to be this whole like you know saying it in sanskrit thing but i think there's this move towards like you have to do my brand of meditation that's like you sit for 10 minutes and you do this specific thing and you say mm-hmm. the specific thing and it's like yeah that worked for you but that's not going to work for everyone well yeah and I think again it just comes back to people want to be so individualized but they also are craving this community and I also think something like meditation can be really daunting but unfortunately there are not a lot of practitioner not practitioners but teachers who take people from again, that level one of like, yeah, come try my method and see if it works for you. And then like what you're saying, the Himalayan Institute does, which is, okay, here's your baseline education. Now here's all the 400 different ways you could meditate, or you could find something that works yeah. totally brand new that works for you. Um, and I think well, that's I think it has really what to work. Need to understand. You have to have both. Cause like my mom will go to these meditation workshops where it's like, you have you're like living in kind of like a dorm like situation it's nice it's Mm -hmm. not a dorm but you're like you're talking to people there you're at lunch together you're listening to these people talk maybe someone who wrote a book or something and Mm -hmm. so you have that sense of community but then at some point during the day you meet with someone one-on-one and they're like let's talk about you so you kind of need like if you're in New York and you're just like I'm gonna go to my mindful class for 45 minutes once a week and just do whatever the leader tells Mm -hmm. me to do and think about like you're not gonna get as much out of it and it's not that these other alternatives are more expensive or less accessible. It's just people, I think, you know, as we live in this like Uber for X culture where it's like everything has to be on an app and stuff. And again, I think these are all good tools, but I think people see it as like, if I just do it as people prescribe, I will get the same results. And it's like meditation is actually something that should be super individualized. Extremely personal. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, agree. We kind of touched upon this yoga. Obviously, we're both yeah, fans. Yeah, yoga's great. I, as for always, I'm going to recommend the book The Science of Yoga by um, William 
Broad, I believe his name is. It's really excellent. And it does talk a lot about how yoga, as we know it in the 20th and the 21st century, is really only about a practice that's about 150 years old. And it doesn't really speak to the ancient roots of quote unquote yoga, which was like barefoot crazy people in India who lived in caves. But um, there's a lot of really good things. Uh, so I would highly recommend that book. And again, I love yoga. I think I'm going to yoga tonight. Um, Actually, you know, it's so funny because I never like I'm not one of those people who's, oh, I'm so excited to go to my yoga class. I've been craving yoga. Like I always kind of have to drag myself there, um, but I always enjoy it whilst I'm there. Yeah. And I think it's also something that like the teacher student relationship is really important and doing your Mm -hmm. research on like what their training is and figuring out like what you're going to get out of it. Like some people are very into it for the um like aerobic exercise, like mm-hmm. hot yoga and stuff like that, um, which is fine if that's what you're doing it for. But it's like yoga is one of those things that everyone should be able to do it. It's not like mm-hmm. for elite athletes. And yeah. I think that there's a tendency now where it's like to yeah. modernize everything and make it so it's like equivalent to like a soul cycle or something. And that's not super mm-hmm. accessible for yeah. everyone. So interesting. I just started taking yoga at a core power studio and I really, Mm. really thought I was going to hate it because I, I really am against that. I'm not a super fan of core power, but my aunt will swear by it. So some people love it. It's interesting because at first I was not into it and there are still certain classes I'm not, I'm not into, but now that I've started going, I'm like, oh, I actually really like their flow because for me, as long as I'm going to the like level one or the level 1.5 class, not the level two, because I think, again, if you read the science of yoga, there are just things that unless you're a super advanced yogi who's been practicing for 20 years should not do. And I really hate when in any class they encourage you to do things like heads. Anyway, that's a whole other rant of mine. But why, what I like about core power in terms of meditation, um, is that you do a basic sun salutation four times. So you know exactly what's happening and And then you can kind of turn your brain off and just, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it allows me to really turn my brain off and not be anxious about what the next thing is going to be. Um, and I think that that can be, can be really powerful. So no, I definitely agree. I like the vinyasa flow. My thing about core power is it's too, I don't like any excess heat in the room. I hate that. I agree. And it's also a level two. Yeah. It's crazy. But the, um, it's also like your constitution. So like in Ayurvedic medicine, there's like three different constitutions. Mm-hmm. It's like Hatha, Pitta. I'm forgetting the other one, but you can, people can Google it. Um, and some people have like at different times of the year, like in most people have like a, a baseline constitution. Mm-hmm. And so like if you're Pitta, you're already running super warm all the time. And those are people mm-hmm. that are generally like kind of sweaty. They're, they have like oily skin, like stuff like that. You can, again, people can look it up there. There's much better resources than me talking about it. But like, there are people that it's actually dangerous. If you have like a pit of constitution, you're already super inflamed. So if you go into a hot yoga class, it might feel good, the detoxing aspect, but it's like too much. And you're actually oh, yeah. over time going to have too many things. So like, I, I think stuff like that, like no one explains to you. They're just like, yeah, if it feels good, do it. And that goes mm-hmm. to your point about the headstand stuff that they talk about in the science of yoga book it's like just because something feels good in the moment does not mean it is good (laughs) and I think that's something to consider just because you you quote unquote can do it Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you should do it and that's why 
you know, was my, why I do not do inversions and yoga anymore. And I will not ever probably do them again. Um, because like, yes, it's not saying that I couldn't right now. I mean, I probably couldn't, but (laughs) let's say when I was at the height of doing yoga, like four times a week was practicing with some really great teachers. Like, yeah, I could have totally done. And I did, but you, it's like not worth the to risk. do it properly. Yeah. yeah, you have to be so strong, and then like, and that's what this book explains. It's like, okay, if you're doing a headstand, you have to have thirty percent of the yeah of the weight of your body at this point. Thirty totally. percent here, thirty percent here, ten percent in your right. head. So and anyway, that's this push just, towards the physicality of like yeah. the Barry's boot camp style yoga yeah. that yeah. is it's probably fine for yeah. most people, but it's not. Yeah. The intention but of the spirituality is not there exactly. and giving people the, yeah. I don't so, know. So. What I'm saying is like in a in a class, whether it's the heated or whatever, they'll push you to do those things when really you should for maybe two years do a modified version of that. And maybe yeah. for three years you should go to a class that's not heated above 80 degrees or whatever, you know. So I think it's just interesting. So yeah. moving on. Definitely. Yoga. And love. I think – the final plug about yoga if you go to a class and everyone in the class looks like you it's probably not that great of a class to me mm-hmm. and it doesn't need to be i'm not talking about like racial makeup and that kind of stuff but if there's no one in the class that is above a size four if everyone's mm-hmm. wearing lululemon and there's no people of color it's probably not super authentic and the teacher is probably not creating the community that's open to these types of things because again yoga should be open to everyone and again it's not like 100 percent like everyone should go to the yoga class that they love i'm not saying that i'm just saying if you're going beyond kind of this is my cardio for the week and wanting that spiritual aspect like these are the types of things you should be looking for um okay next one psychics and mediums yeah you're not i think i think we I think we've talked about this before. Um, I think, well, first of all, I love Hollywood medium. It's one of my favorite shows on television. Um, I believe that there are people who can read energy. Like if you tell me you're an intuitive, I'm like, yes, I believe that. Do I necessarily think that there are people who can like tell the future No, but I think there are people who can read energies and can learn things particularly about the past. And I also think it's, you know, I guess I feel in a sense like I'm fascinated by it. And then I'm also a little agnostic about it because it's like, I don't know. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to say, no, it's fake, but I'm not going to say, oh, I totally believe in it hook, line and sinker. And, you know, we totally understand the science behind it because we don't definitely don't do either of those things. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that's. I I'm of the same opinion where it's like I'm fascinated like I'll listen to anyone's story like when we interviewed Christian like he's very Mm -hmm. into it so people should go back to that episode where we interviewed Shay's cousin Chris and her boyfriend Christian Um, because he his brother is a medium right or like a psychic Mm -hmm. yeah kind of thing yeah Um, and he talked about in that episode too some like and he very firmly believes in it I think like if we ask Christian right now he would be like it's totally a thing Um, so super fascinating But I think there was a book that I read when I was really young that my mom had that I would recommend called Old Souls. It's not about psychics and mediums, but it's about Mm -hmm. kids like in the early 20th century who would. And I think Christian had a similar 
experience this. It sounds very creepy, and I don't know if I can read it, but I want to. Yeah. Well, it's it's similar. I mean, you don't really have to read it, but it's similar to, like, Christian's story about being in Vietnam or whatever. But they, um, it's, like, these kids that are, like, five, and Mm -hmm. they're, like a boy or whatever i don't know some kid who's five and he's like in a on a farm in iowa in like 1920 and he's like i fought in the revolutionary war and this was like my rank and title like a Mm five-year-old who's just beginning to talk and then they like validate some of these stories and are like oh that was actually a person and it's like how do you Mm -hmm. know that and there's obviously the chance that like some adult was like hey this would be funny like kid you should tell your parents that like you Mm -hmm. fought in the revolutionary war and like here's this information so like there's always that sense of doubt, but some of the stories in that book are super crazy, and mm-hmm. some of the kids ended up actually, like, going back, like, they ended up running away from home and, like, living with the families that they thought that they were supposed to be born into and stuff like that. It's really crazy. Um, so I think stuff like that, like, if someone's so sure of something, like, they're so, like, this is just reality for me, mm-hmm. like, I don't think there's any sense in fighting that, especially if it's not, like, a dangerous like delusional yeah, thing you know exactly I agree and I think at the end of the day like whether it's quote-unquote real or it's some psychological neuro- neurological psychiatric phenomenon that's going on either way it's super interesting and I'm not I don't think again with the not the current span of human knowledge about the brain and about our you know souls or yeah. whatever you want to say like, makes up our energy yeah yeah what is consciousness we don't we don't know you yeah. know that's the thing you that's know true i've definitely think i think your first point about the energy stuff like i think people i think really good psychics or mediums mm-hmm. can they know the types of and this is just, I, again i've never been to a psychic yeah. or medium personally so maybe if i went to one i would feel differently but i feel like from the stories that i've heard from others or watching shows like Mm -hmm. Tyler Henry which I'm also obsessed with I think it's real in the sense that to your point about the energy stuff like most psychics know you have to get some baseline information about them not that they would know everything but they're they know these are the these are the important people in your life this is maybe you had a death in the family this is what you're asking Mm -hmm. about so they know you're not asking like what color is my birthday cake going to be next year like that kind of weird stuff like they know it's probably something serious And they can tell as you're talking about it, like someone that's really good will know, like, as you're talking about it, this is how you feel about it. And as they talk back to you, this is how your body language changes or this is how your pupils dilate and stuff. And so then Mm -hmm. they, like, lead the conversation in that way, which I think is a useful tool. Mm -hmm. And it's similar to therapy in a lot of ways. Um, But I don't have enough. And again, it's not that I... 100% 100% don't believe but I don't yeah. think that there's like when the mediums are like the ghost of your dead husband is here in the room with us mm-hmm. today like that kind of stuff yeah. I'm like no he's not you're just using that as a rhetorical device in order to read this yeah. person's energy about their emotions about their dead husband kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah so, great yes um, Maddie. <laughs> yeah so next one moving on from that mm-hmm. um tarot cards how do we feel I love them and I think just kind of to speak to your point that you just made, Maddie, about psychics is that these are all tools for 
understanding and intuiting your own life and and desires. And yeah, I don't think that you're going to like, you know, like you see in the movies, flip over a tarot card and it's going to be the sword of death and the hangman and it pretends that your death is happening within six months. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. But I think, you know, and there's many, many ways to interpret tarot cards. And I think if you have a question and you flip over, I don't even know what they are. I'm not that familiar with it. And you flip over something and it says, I don't know, like if you're contemplating about your career and you flip a card over that represents a journey, that's going to make you think, right? Like, well, do I want to take a journey? Should I do something that changes my path? It's not, so again, it's not telling you what to do or telling you what the future is going to be, but it's helping you interpret your own feelings. And I think, again, that comes back to if you flip something, if you see something or something comes to you and you have a visceral reaction, yes or no, these are tools that can let you know what's going to be the right decision because it can allow you to kind of step aside from logic and get back into your like animalistic gut so to speak yeah definitely i totally agree 100 percent. yeah i think they're fun fun at parties Um, and i've had my tarot read before a couple times and i've been like oh shit like i'll never forget uh so my friend and former boss and mentor laura read my tarot um before right before I'd given note I gave her notice basically and she read it in the tarot and I don't think she knew it but like the way she read it and she's a person who is like creepily intuitive like I've had experiences with her where I'm like I don't know how you knew that that was insane but like she flipped over the cards and she read it and she was like oh I wonder what that means for you but I was like (laughs) I knew what it meant right and well that um, goes back to your point where like there is some sense of intuition but it's also like the card meant something to you because you knew what was going to happen mm-hmm. very shortly after that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it just was, it was interesting. So. Yeah. Totally. Going on. Yeah. Um, psychedelics. I'm bad at drugs, so I'm going <laughs> to say no, but I feel like if you want to microdose some LSD or shrooms, like good on you, man. Yeah. I- Everything that I know about psychedelics is like, so two sources of information. Yeah. One is Joe Rogan definitely would recommend cause he's, kind of like a mainstream guy he's not super like woo woo crazy and he has done all sorts of psychedelics he's done shrooms lsd dmt like all the stuff and he has a lot of like very long like three hour long podcasts about like this is where to source it this is how you know if it's pure or not this is well, like i think that's important yeah like where you should where you should be when you're first doing it and a lot of psychedelics because it is rewiring your brain which is why if you do it too much you will have issues like that Hasidic Jewish population that did like a hundred tabs of LSD. Have you read about this? No, this sounds insane. Okay. There's like, I think they're Hasidic. There's like a brand of Judaism where they're like super Orthodox religious, but they also Mm. do a shit ton of LSD and they all Mm -hmm. have brain issues now because they like did too much of it. Um, I think there's like a vice documentary or something about it. But anyways, they're like kind of progressive drugs. So like oftentimes your first or second trip will like inform the neural pathways that they make in your brain. So anyways, for me, I think it comes back to like what you said about you and hot yoga. It's not that I think there's a constitution. Yeah. Yeah. But just my constitution, like I can't have three cups of coffee or I'm going to die. Like my heart starts racing and I don't really ever drink very much. I'm just very sensitive to any kind of drugs, which is great because I can take like one Advil (laughs) and my headache is better. Totally. But, um, 
knowing that about my own constitution, I like I'm very unwilling to even and how sensitive I am to drugs of all kinds. I'm I'm very sensitive to Yeah. Well it's to like, taking anything, it's the dosage you know? too. It could be also like like stomach digestive constitution versus like different like bloodstream or mm-hmm. inhaling and stuff like that. But that's great because if you ever wanted to do it, you could take like a wee little bit. Um, but yeah, I definitely would barf if I took shrooms. I'm not everything I've read about shrooms. I'm like, I wouldn't be into it, but I think, um, like some of the more like plant-based ones that aren't mushrooms, I think I might also just be slightly allergic to mushrooms because even in normal life, they make me sick. So that's also another thing. That's interesting. Um, I just don't really like, like any fungus. I'm like, eh, like I always just feel not like ill, but like slightly off every time I eat them. So I think Mm. that might be why, but, um, I think anything like chemically, like DMT or LSD, I'm not into, not because I have any like moral issue with it, but just because to find like the lengths that Joe Rogan went to, to find pure DMT and DMT for people that don't know what it is. It's basically the synthetic chemical that your brain, it's a synthetic version of what your brain releases right before you die. So like Mm. from like a religious aspect to like people that are like that that come back from the brink and are like i saw the white light and i saw jesus it's like you were on a trip basically like you mm-hmm. and again this is like a psych a psychedelic interpretation and a chemical interpretation i'm not negating people's religious experiences but or religious beliefs but like when you take dmt and there's other like people that i follow online who have done it and you basically have very realistic um like visions of heaven because your body mm-hmm. thinks that it's literally dying like this is your mm-hmm. last breaths but you you sit there like you're immobile like it it, cre- it completely like numbs you and then you have like very mm-hmm. vivid like visions so it's very I don't want to do that because I'm like it's a chemical and I don't love it but something like a peyote or ayahuasca I would totally do even though it also makes you sick and I recommend the Chelsea Handler I think I can't remember which one of her shows but it's on Netflix somewhere she does ayahuasca with um the guy from American Pie's wife I can't remember his name but she's also a comedian and it's very funny because Chelsea is like very used to doing psychedelics so like she barfed a little bit, but she's like, I'm having, like, my moment. And then this other woman is, like, freaking out. It's very funny. But um, oh, no. she was, like, not used to it. And I'm like, you should you should not have taken this much. And they're, like, in the middle of Peru, like, in the jungle. And it's it looked unfun. But I was like, yeah. I would do that because it's, like, it's a plant. It's not going to kill you. You're not going to OD on it. Your body will just throw it up. It's fine. Yeah. Well, interesting. So yeah. maybe we should do that for your bachelorette party. Um. I'm going to say no, but thank you for the offer. So um, Okay, the last one that I have on my list, and then if you have any other woo things that I forgot to put on the list, um, astrology. We haven't talked a lot about that. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, I think astrology is, again, it be, it's an interpretive, it's an interpretive, um, doc, interpretive text, basically. Yeah, yeah. I I agree. I've definitely, as of late, gotten... I've done more research on it because I'm, like, I'm intrigued. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think most people, when they think of astrology, think of horoscope, which is mm-hmm. very, I think, totally to your point, it's, like, a helpful tool if you're, like, thinking about making a decision and then you read your horoscope and it makes you feel one way or the other and then that helps you make a decision. I think that 
that totally happens. But horoscope is like the very, yeah, I would say like the gateway drug to astrology. Well, and you're talking more than about like the the pull of the planets on yes. the Earth, because yes. I, I mean I do think like Mercury in retrograde that. I used to think that was crap. And then I had a couple like experiences and I was like, Oh, maybe not. Yeah. Um, and I mean, clearly the moon has huge, I mean, literally our tides are affected by the moon. Our yeah. human female cycles are affected by the moon. Um, so yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe it's, there's more there than I, yeah. I know. I think that there's definitely, so like people... when you say astrology, I just think horoscope. Yeah. Well, that's why, so, that's why I bring it up. Yeah. Cause I think most people, most people think that they're like, oh, I'm reading Cosmo and like the last page is the horoscope. And it's like, oh, that's like, sometimes they're like very eerily similar. And then sometimes they're not. But um, the like true, like someone who's like a, a professional astrologer who does like birth charts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think my mom is, I kind of want to do it because I, I, for a long time, I thought that I didn't know what time I was born. And then my mom was like, mm. you're an idiot. It's on your birth certificate. And I was like, no, it's not. And then I looked at it and at 5.51 PM right on there. I yeah. was like, wow, classic went through 20 years of life. Didn't know this. Um, Cause you have to know like the exact time. And I was like, oh shit, mm-hmm. now I can never do my birth chart. But I think my mom did it. And she has like a video recording of mm-hmm. the like session with the woman. They like did the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of want to do that because I've listened to some podcasts where people do it either like they'll bring someone in they do it with a listener or with like one of the hosts and stuff so I'm like we should do it that would be fun get our birth charts because it's very it's not like it's not like going to a psychic where it's like personal stuff it's more like it's kind of like the Enneagram which I know we're Mm -hmm. all big fans of where it's like this is your energy and this is like Mm -hmm. and because it's attached like what time you were born they can they can say like oh 10 years ago if this would have happened to you, you would have reacted this way. But if a similar thing happens to you later, Mm -hmm. you might react differently because of all that stuff. So I think it can give you like a sense of calm. But I think it's super interesting because out of all of the like woo-woo stuff that's kind of predictive, I would say, like psychics, mediums, tarot cards, Mm -hmm. psychedelics even, people do that to like make decisions and stuff. Like I feel like astrology is the one that's the most based in some sort of science. Mm, Interesting. From the dabblings, like, I know, like, my my rising, my moon sign, my sun sign and stuff. And I'm, like, it's very in line with who I am as a person. So I'm, like, whoa. Um, so I like it. And I think, I like again, that's my PSA. Like, don't just think it's horoscopes because there's more to it. I, well, good to know. I I feel edu- educated. Yeah. Is there any other um, woo-woo things that we didn't discuss that no, you are I mean, a fan I of? feel like it's funny when we first started this episode, I was like, we're only going to talk for like half an hour and here we are an hour and a half later. So there's endless um, stuff to talk about, endless stuff to talk about, but no, I think this is awesome. I think we're gonna have some great reading recommendations, uh, out of this episode and, uh, yeah, this is awesome. Great. Great. All right. Well, thanks campers. listeners. If you have any other topic suggestions or you were like, wow, this was the most uninformed off the cuff thing I've ever listened to. <laughs> Definitely. Let us know. Yeah, let us know. Email us hello at campadulthood.com. Yeah. All right. Thanks, campers. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Camp Adulthood is hosted by Maddie Yergi, Resident Youth, and Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood. We are produced by Jenny Mayfield. And this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com and you can visit us at campadulthood.com. 
Thanks, campers. We hope that you enjoy your stay at camp.